Hey, this is Daniel Montero. We're back at uh, Urban Mixer here in Santa Rosa. Today was a Hall of Flowers, last day of April 2019. I'm here with the beautiful Julie Chiariello. Did I pronounce it right? Yeah, Chiarello. 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 <laughs> and it's really cool because this is the first time that I meet Julie in person. We've been um, going back and forth via Facebook and phone calls and, so, and uh, social media, Facebook and emails and whatnot. Um, and it's been really cool because right off the bat, I, I, I noticed that we share many of the same values. Our passions as they intersect with cannabis yeah. kind of run in, in the same direction. And when I first um, saw you, you have this incredible energy, um, I think a powerful energy about you. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it's going to be special to, to interview you. And so um, with that being said, um, let's spark up and let's yes. get it going. Yes, let's do it. Did it light for you? Okay. What are we smoking on? This is from Jonathan Veldman from Forever Flowering Greenhouses. It's some sun-grown outdoor organic from Grass Valley. Mm -hmm. I just came from his conference there, the Heart of Cannabis. And it was a beautiful event set in Grass Valley amidst the trees. And uh, his devotion with the Heart of Cannabis is bringing stewards and thought leaders together to speak about what's happening on the planet in terms of business and how that marries with cannabis and what we're all supposed to do. And that's where you and I really connect to. Yeah, so it's fair to say that, and I know we're gonna to get to it, the intention behind the flowers is pretty pure. Right? Yes, yes, yeah. So this is some good stuff that we're smoking on. Julie, uh, we were talking about um, you know how you got started in the industry, but I'd love for the audience to know more or less in, in the time that we have, you know, your story from from beginning to the present and to where you want to be. And so I'd like to start off by saying or asking you, um, you know, where are you from? Where did you grow up? And, and how would you describe that in a nutshell? Okay. So yeah, I was born and raised in Santa Maria, California a small agricultural town in California, um, a mixture of a lot of immigrants from Oaxaca, from Central America, and you and I really connected on that. Um, my family was Cuban refugees. They came from Cuba uh, when Castro came to power. My mother was 15. And we were the only Cubans in the whole town, really. I think there was only one other Cuban family. and. Um, so it was very strange and, and yet we were very, my family is very informed with European values because they were Spanish and French as well as Cuban. And there was very much, um, my grandmother came from France when she was 15. So it was still informed within our whole family dynamic. And they were also human rights activists. So they really, um, they spent their whole lives in service so they taught me about cooperatives. They taught me about um, English as a second language and helping people who were suffering um, to come across and helping them to stabilize because they themselves had to do that journey. They taught me about the Zapatista movement, which which we connected on. So I was raised in a you know a working class family um, of people that really lived their life in service and also. <clears throat> worked on achieving you know the American dream and and I got to see kind of all walks of life in this small agricultural town in California and at this point you did not uh, move around yet no I mean I was there from you know 
birth until 17. Okay. And 17 is when I kind of took off in the world. Being and, the, I'm sorry, being the yeah. free spirit that you are. Yes. I know we were talking about your, your takeoff, right? Literally, literally around the world. Yeah. Um, and so my question is, how did cannabis intersect your life? Okay. So. Take that lighter. Oh, I'm sorry. You want me to... No, no, no. I'm just trying to pull it. There you go. Okay, let me see. Let me see. All right, awesome. Sorry. And uh, no, no, no. do ask the question again. Yes. Just kind of pull your shirt up just a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love this piece. Me too. I feel so special to be wearing this. To be honest. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, Julie, um, after literally taking off in a global fashion, traveling around Europe um, after you were 17, how did cannabis intersect your life? So, yeah, so from the time I was five, I was trained, uh, classically trained in dance and was raised as an artist and uh, raised with classical literature and um, just raised in a beautiful way. And when I was 16, it was the first time I got high. And, uh, you know, it was just an incredible experience. As an artist and as a young woman, um, it really showed me um, what I, I was, I, I read a lot of Aldous Huxley, and he talks about the doors of perception. And I was really into the doors and really much, uh, you know, a countercultural girl, even though I was born in 1976. You, I could have been straight from the 60s because I always felt this burning desire to understand the, the sacred mystery and to you know understand it in a way as, as I that first time I got high it just like really opened my eyes that we choose our reality we choose how we perceive reality and we can work with reality as great um, you know creators as people who can imagine and, and bring things into being. So that's what cannabis did for me. It was revelational. And I want to imagine where you were and who you were with and how that experience was for you that first time. Yeah. It's just like a sunshine-filled postcard of Santa California. Maria. And, you know, the golden fields of, of wheat, the, the grains, uh, the golden grains. You of, were in a field? Well, it's just, yeah, we were, it was California golden summer, you know, with oak trees, golden grasses, beautiful sunsets, beautiful ocean. In Santa Maria, there's nothing around. Like, to get to any town, you have to drive an hour. And so for us, it was hiking, it was being on the land. And so when we would imbibe, it was like getting out and being active in nature and being really connected and feeling like, warriors and you know we read poetry 
We drank spirits. We smoked. I mean, it was a really... And you were young. It was a really carpe diem kind of feeling of really living, you know, living poetry, living art, because I was an artist. So it really, I think, cannabis really opened huge doorways to start to dream bigger. And because I was from a small town, I just said, I'm out of here. You know, I took off and most people stayed, but I took off. I just said, this is it. You know, I'm a vagabond. And I just took off. And tell us, uh, how did cannabis intersect with you during your trips around the world? So fun. <laughs> so when I lived in Spain, like we had the best, what they call chocolate, which was the, the hash from Morocco. And back in the late 90s, it was so good. It was the fudgiest, most delicious stuff. And in, in Spain, they call it porros. So when they smoke, they smoke cannabis. I mean, they smoke tobacco and hash. So I got yeah. broken in with porros and they do Euro style cones. So it's a, a cone. So my first joint that I learned to roll was a cone style joint, European style. I still to this day roll one gram joints. Yes. <laughs> one Just gram. read them. Yes. <laughs> and um, you know, at the time I would roll cannabis with hash and I was always laughed at because the Spaniards, you know, they thought, whoa, what is this girl doing? She's totally crazy. She's like really getting out there. And then my friend came over from California and we traveled through 11 countries. We uh, stayed in Amsterdam for a couple of months. Uh, we took the night train from Amsterdam to Italy in order to travel with weed. So that's a little known secret and I don't know if it's still available, but we would take the night train and we'd be loaded down with herb from Amsterdam, go down to Italy and Spain. And so we traveled like this and we went back to Amsterdam three times and you know, it was in the late 90s when it was like a, I don't know, it was a golden period of uh, you know, purple haze and um, just kind of everything that was of our dreams. Because, you know, being in Cali in the late 90s, let me just circle back, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was really interesting because I spent 16, 17, 18 with Mexi weed, brick weed, the season stems coming from across the border down south. And then in the 90s, it started to flow in, you know, it started flowing from BC and BC was affecting NorCal and ocean grown and the whole thing I was right there when Cali changed and kind came in and I remember I was like 18 and buying my first kind my first kind ounces and I fell in love with all of these incredible strains how much were they oh fuck I don't remember <laughs> I'm 42 Daniel I don't remember was I just remember like I so because I was always been a businesswoman so from the time I was 18 I sold Honda cars. I got broken in. I was like boot camped in to sales, sales theory. Um, you know, I listened to Anthony Robbins, and for some reason here I was in this little small town, and yet I was working on business theory, sophisticated business theory from a very young age, and that was combined with this kind of counterculture, punk culture, because punk was really big in Santa Maria. You, and you also had the cholo, chola culture. Did you dress uh, punk? I did. I wore steel toe boots all through high school. 
I, uh, I moshed, I broke my collarbone uh, <laughs> in my senior year in high school from moshing. I was kind of a hellion, I was a, I was a renegade. And uh, I didn't, you know, I believed in thinking for oneself. But you made a huge transformation. Yeah. <laughs> what got you started in the cannabis industry? So I was in the um, yoga, health and wellness industry for 10 years. And um, after I kind of got my boot camp training with selling cars, selling shoes, I mean, I did everything, you know? I didn't give a fuck. I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn from people who knew. And I kept learning, hungry, grasping every kind of business technique. And I, what I started to learn, or I was gifted to learn, was people who practiced the art of sales, the art of humanity, because that's what it's really about. It's about creating sacred connection. And so, um, I had spent maybe about 10 years in the yoga industry. I ran a yoga studio, taught yoga to kids, um, worked with an organic farm co-op, farm to table. And what's so interesting is that one of the, the companies that I worked with was an organic yoga clothing company. And they really were educating on how cotton was the most heavily pesticided crop in the world. And they were really teaching me about how to combine philanthropy with business. And um, every purchase that was made, a portion of the proceeds went back to help a philanthropy. And the whole focus in yoga was off the mat into the world. So it was about bringing consciousness with commerce. And so it's so funny how life is, how it prepares us for the next step. So there was a reason, there was a method to the madness of me spending 10 years in yoga and in consciousness and as a healer, I practiced Reiki. But I was always being trained in business at the same time. So, you know, fast forward, I got this opportunity where I was leaving um, an organic farm co-op that I was working for. The yoga industry, I, would, I had left that, I was kind of regrouping. We were going through the recession. There was a recession happening and high-end yoga clothes, it was kind of going through this kind of tumultuous thing. So I decided to leave that and I got this opportunity to work with a vaporizer company called Magic Flight. And their whole ethos was choose on the basis of love. And I took that company... Magic from, Flight. Yeah. I took that company from being, you know, a company that made, uh, you know, 20K a month to 90, nine, 9 million the final year that I was there. We made 9 million with that company. That's impressive. That's impressive. But the whole ethos was marrying philanthropy with commerce, marrying empowerment with how we do business, making sure that everything that we did was interconnected all the way through so that we would create healing throughout the whole paradigm. And so it really pushed me. It pushed me on how to integrate all these worlds that I had been taught and bring them into one expression. And that's when I met John. Um, I met him in Toronto. You know, at that time I had already spent six years traveling all around the world to all cannabis relevant shows. Cannabis I had been so many years. Um, you know, Austria, Czech Republic, UK. And, um, you know, what I learned is that prohibition was a global genocide. I learned that the earth was propagating consciousness through her plants and that there was millions of us all around the planet asking me questions. There's millions of us all around the planet that were seated with the knowledge to transform business on the planet. 
and that somehow cannabis was intimately intertwined with that, as well as psychedelics of all forms. We know, coming from Toltec culture or indigenous cultures, we know that <clears throat> plants are our allies to help us right now create a renaissance in how we're moving in the world. So that's when I met John. I met John in Toronto, and it was this really crazy synchronistic chain of events that happened, and I was so impressed with Skunk being a 10-year-old publication devoted to organics and sustainability and protecting seed culture, and really fostering the stewards, the soul breeders, the people who are really keyed in to creating beauty on the planet. Do I have a thing no, here? no, it's me, it's me, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and, and so it really impressed me. And so we started working together. He covered Magic Flight in the magazine. And little did I know that we would end up becoming business partners and I would be co-owner in the magazine. So it was, it was something that, you know, it started to come in as, as we started to discover the relationship. And now fast forward, I'm co-owner at Skunk Magazine. And one thing I want to share with the audience is that uh, Julie's uh, very grounded, very humble in her work. Uh, but in reality, she is the originator for the term Green Renaissance. And it's something that you and I have talked back and forth about. And I think it's drawn me closer to you as a professional and as a human being because I have a much better understanding of who you are and the values you're projecting <laughs> to the world. Because frankly, I got it twisted and I was insisting that, you know, uh, Emerald Renaissance sounds better, but that's actually um, my limited vision. After speaking with Julie in the Green Renaissance, you shared with me how you and the folks that you've been working with have been helping farmers from around the world for years now, uh, making them sustainable, uh, sustainable farming practices. Yeah. And that's what green really embodies is something even bigger than the cannabis industry. Yeah. And from reading an esoteric book that I, that I have called The Secret History of the World, yeah. it defines the history of the world through the evolution of the human conscience. And it's an example that, you know, you think differently than your parents do. They're a little more conservative. And the gap is greater between your mind and that of your grandparents, even though, there, even though there's that revolutionary thread. And that is an example of how our um, conscious evolves. Yeah. And I lost track a little bit of what, what I was saying. That's a green renaissance. So the green I want renaissance. To, I want to, I want to, would love to circle back on that. Yes. And, and, and so you are, you are the impulse. What the book describes as different chapters, the, the word that was used, excuse me, is an impulse, a mental impulse. And you have been the mental impulse for the Green Renaissance, um, being the first one to, to put that energy out there yeah. for the rest of us to warm to, because you really have this good nature desire to see it through, mm -hmm. not, not to allow it to be corrupted by the same values that we um, have rebelled against in our own different ways. Um, and so for that reason, I really respect um, who you are and I, and I admire um, the depth of the approach that you have. Um, I think that by folks like ourselves um, working together, um, sharing ideas, we can really actuate and turn on our community towards those values that exist in your mind and in your heart. Yes. Um, and, I, and I'm going to hit this real quick. It's time to marry those worlds. So I want to circle back on uh, what you were saying because about five years ago was when I started to use the term Green Renaissance 
And as an herbalist, as a healer, as a businesswoman, I just started to realize that for so long, these worlds have been compartmentalized. Business is in one arena and humanity is in another. And this disparity was really, for me, it was really representative of the heartache in the world and what is broken in our world. And you know, being a part of a post-industrial, post-capitalist model, which is where we are right now, we really are at the end of those systems. I just realized that <coughs> for so long the, the term green rush has been used and it, I found it so insulting. And I just felt like, you know, millions have died in this prohibition, in this genocide. It's a global fight and that it's insulting to use the term rush and it's insulting to just do business as usual. That really what the plant is attempting to teach us is how to transform how we do business and bring the sacred back and bring the connection back. Gabor Mate talks a lot about disconnection and, and, and how that is the root of addiction and that healing of our world right now is bringing connection back, which is making that point. And so that's why I started to realize that this was a renaissance and I was very inspired by the Hopi prophecy and the, the whole prophecy of the rainbow warriors. Look it up, it's a great, great, um, oral tradition that talks about a very dark time when all races, all nations, all creeds will unite around the planet and they'll be seated with the knowledge that they are stewards and protectors of the earth and they will understand how they can weave these things into authentic ways of doing business and show sacred wealth on the planet. And so we are the ones we've been waiting for. That's where you and I connected as brother and sister in the Renaissance. And I do believe a renaissance is happening in business. And I talked with Gary Vee tonight. We really connected. And we whispered to each other. I said, Gary, we're transforming the world right now by weaving sacred back into how we walk on the planet and especially in how we do business. And it's through authenticity, it's through meaningfulness, it's through substance, it's through really making the connection together is how we can do it. And, and so that's where the, the ethos of the Green Renaissance was born from. And it came from years of being in health and wellness and yoga industry and understanding people like John Mackey, who uh, wrote the book on conscious capitalism, the owner of Whole Foods. He, to me, was an inspiration to say, yeah, we can have a different conversation. We can have a better conversation. We can do business better. And so right now I feel like that's the moment we're in in the cannabis industry and maybe not everybody's ready to have that conversation, but that's the conversation that Skunk Magazine is having. Two conversations that I want that I want to talk with you. Yeah. I love how you describe your relationship with the plant, but before we're, I get distracted, I'd love for you to share with us how you see a healthy interaction of masculine and feminine energies. Yeah. Because I, I totally dig in that if we can um, make it a habit or deliberately combine the two, you know, masculine, feminine, and I can be feminine and you can be masculine as we talked about, yeah. but there's that balance. And, and can we talk a little bit about that and how sure. cannabis intersects that and grab some water? Yeah. Yeah, I wanna grab my So, yeah, so basically, you know, as an esoteric, I would consider myself an esoteric, 
And, and what that means to me is that I've studied different philosophies from all around the world to gain a better understanding of universal law. And I'm a big believer in hermetic principles and universal law and applying universal law to business. So, um, you know, what we're trying, go ahead and ask your question again, <laughs> totally stoned. <laughs> how do you think, how do you think uh, your, your concept masculine of balancing and masculine and feminine, okay. how does cannabis intersect so, with that so theory, that's, that so, ideology? So in universal law, one of the universal, seven universal laws, okay, there's seven, look them up, they're wonderful, highly recommended. Um, one of them is that the whole universe is binary, so there's always masculine and feminine. And the thing that people are forgetting with 6,000 years of patriarchy is that under patriarchy, the feminine was cast out, okay? The shadow, the void, the, the womb, the womb, everything, the thing that we spring from, the thing that we are was cast out and denigrated. And, and the thing is, is that when we talk about Gabor Mate again, and he talks about disconnection, the thing that disconnects us is our fear. And fear, fear of what? Fear of death. Death is the void. Death is the womb. Death and rebirth go hand in hand. And so to me, when we talk about cannabis and consciousness, cannabis teaches us about death and rebirth. If we're practicing regenerative farming, if we're practicing organics, we understand the cycle of death and rebirth in our growing practices, and it's an intelligent system. Why is it intelligent? Because it's the earth system. It's the universal system. And so one of the things in business that I'm attempting to do is help people to understand that we are meant to align ourselves with universal law, with earth law. For so long we've been separate and that's why we're sick. That's why we're addicted. That's why we're disconnected. That's why we're numbed out. That's why we shut down. Because we're disconnected from what we are. So, very easy. It's possible. We can choose to reconnect. And I believe that that's what cannabis is attempting to do right now globally. This is a global movement. It transcends the industry. It transcends doing business as usual, most certainly. It's not about how cool your brand is and how many cups you've won. That's not the point of this. That's not why this is happening. This is happening for a complete transformation on the planet of how we do business. Think of Tesla's words, okay? Tesla was working with universal law. Everything is binary, so when we talk about the sacred balance of the feminine and masculine principles in the world, we're talking about that in business. So me as a woman in business, I balance the worlds of the masculine and the feminine in my work. And you also, you balance both the masculine and feminine in your work. So it's an invitation for all of us to really come into greater synergy, greater symbiosis. If we're in sacred union with the masculine and feminine within, we can be in sacred union with the masculine and feminine without, in the world around us. Then we're creating healing, then we're creating connection, then we're transforming our world. And that's like what Jane Goodall, for instance, she's a thought leader, she talks about that a lot. How can we honor both the masculine and feminine within and without? And I think cannabis is really, really, really speaking that loud and clear to us. I'm living it and breathing it right now, listening to you, feeling your energy, everything that you're saying, your words. Um, to me, it's like magic because I feel that the world doesn't hear this enough. It's a modern narrative from your modern mind. 
that is tying back to ancient threads of knowledge, streams yes. of knowledge, um, and to um, keep this going in the right direction, I would love for you to clarify what the term green renaissance is by describing for the audience your personal relationship with the plant. Because you have a beautiful way of articulating the goddess um, that is cannabis. Great. Yeah. So, you know, just to get back to what I was saying that, you know, legitimately we are in a post-capitalism, post-industrial model world. And, you know, when you look at people like Gary Vee, who I was talking with today, um, we're talking about a new era. The things that once propelled our society will no longer service our society in the right way. We're coming into a crisis period with our climate. We have Greta Thunberg. She was just uh, nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. She's a 16-year-old girl who's saying, look, our house is burning. We need to take action. We need to transform our world. Fossil fuels are dinosaur. They're archaic. And what you're saying is right. It's about marrying ancient wisdom right now, universal law, hermetic principles from ancient Egypt with modern technology, we're talking Tesla, we're talking zero-point technology, we're talking sustainable energy, we're talking all kinds of transformative systems. And why is cannabis here? Why are mushrooms here? Because they're waking up our consciousness so that we can innovate. You innovate. He innovates. Everybody, all of you, innovate. Everybody is supposed to be lit from within right now to practice new styles on the planet so that we can bring great connection back, we can bring sacredness back, we can become stewards again. And, and this is where, this is new style business where you're not operating from a scarcity mentality, you're operating from an abundance mentality. So in terms of what the Renaissance means to me, it's this, is in the industrial model, you function under scarcity. There's never enough for anyone, and if you prosper, somebody else suffers. This is what the model that we see, we see third world nations suffering while crazy, Bezos is making billions and paying zero taxes. What kind of crazy disparity are we living right now, right? And so for me, what the Renaissance means is it's saying, no, the earth is actually an abundant model. The lies we've been told in the industrial model are that there's not enough. Well, in fact, there is enough. And we gotta start acting like there's enough. We've gotta run our businesses like there's enough. We have to treat each other like there's enough. And so we have to stop competing. We have to form hands. We have to unite globally. We have to understand that there's enough. We can create food forests. We can plant trees. We can rehabilitate rivers. We can rehabilitate coral reefs. We can grow clean, organic cannabis. We can protect our soils and our waterways. So for me, the Green Renaissance was really kind of a stand at a time when maybe only 10% or 15% of the industry was ready for it to say, you know what, for me personally, cannabis is teaching me that I need to transform how I'm doing business on the planet and I need to practice what I preach. I have to practice what she's teaching me. I have to practice earth consciousness, Pachamama. I have to bring back the sacred mother into how I'm doing business. I have to stop denigrating the mother and using and taking and abusing for my own gain. And I have to say, no, I'm a part of the healing. I'm gonna, everything I do on the planet right now is actually gonna regenerate. So I've been calling it regenerative business. So that when we take an action that actually profits us, 
we're regenerating, we're creating healing. I help create healing for you. I create healing for anyone that I'm interacting with in business so that everyone becomes stronger in the paradigm. Everyone rises. So we're incubating each other, we're helping each other rise. So that's what Green Renaissance means to me, is walking the talk of what the plant medicines and what the earth is teaching us about how we can do business better on the planet, how we can work with our resources better, how we can live more beautifully. That was beautiful, Julie. Um, I think uh, I'm like a sponge right now and I'm soaking everything up. And in your description, you did touch on your relationship with cannabis. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to add on to that in regards to what your relationship with cannabis is like? Or do you feel you I would you just say, it? no, I would just say I'm so thankful for cannabis as an herbalist. I've studied lots of different plant medicines and to me, cannabis is the mother plant. Cannabis is really, truly the representation of the Divine Mother working her healing on the planet. When we look at cannabis as a science, cannabis creates homeostasis in the body. Cannabis, cannabinoids are present in mother's breast milk. Cannabis is a part of the building blocks of our life. And so I feel like cannabis is the Divine Mother wielding her healing on the planet right now. And she spoke deeply to my heart and soul um, to help me be a warrior on the planet and to fight for uh, sustainable change on the planet. However, many people said, oh, you're foolish. That's not how we do it. That's not the way it's been done. Well, you know what? Fuck you, because I think that cannabis really has given us all strength. Cannabis has helped us to be awake warriors, ready to act in a way that's conscious and intelligent. So for me, I mean, I can get down on my knees in gratitude to the plants for having sparked these things in us. And cannabis is, is to me, the, the mother plant. She's, she's the giver, right? It's the great tree of life, right? Um, beautifully spoken, Julie. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I can ask you. Uh, I hate to shift the, the energy of the interview. Yeah. Um, where would you like to see yourself in, in three to five years as a professional in the cannabis industry? Or, or, or where would you like to see the industry see go? Uh, right? in your Because you have a vivid imagination. Well, for me, you know, what I realized is that my grandparents taught me this. Um, they taught me that to truly live joy is to live in service. And that being in service is really the whole, it's the crux of life. And so for me, um, you know, I've been doing these business tips, these daily business tips, and I've been really keen in with that. It's really not about us. It's about our service to the world, and it's about how many people can we hopefully inspire or encourage in some way to face the daily challenges and to meet those challenges with courage. And so for me as a woman in business of 24 years, that's my whole driving passion, is how many people can I help to feel encouraged and inspired to rise up while I'm here, the rest of the time that I'm here on the planet. We never know how long we have, but that to me is what's speaking to my heart and soul, is how can I help inspire more people to bring that consciousness with commerce and light up their life and get aligned with their soul purpose and really do it. And I feel like cannabis industry is perfect industry to bring this 
is how can we have the conversation of like, how can you ground your ideas in business? So I'm gonna be focusing a lot on that, is consciousness in business, and how can we help people ground their visions into reality and manifest their soul vision in good business results, you know? Results-oriented business, excellence in business, combined with healing. So that, that to me is the masculine and the feminine. It's, it's the literal, practical side married with the ideal and the visionary side. And that's the sacred union, right? So that's, that's what I'm devoted to. Julie, um, there's so much for us to talk about off camera, mm -hmm. continuing on the Green Renaissance yeah. and our work. I would like to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to write for uh, Skunk. Um, my I'm Ganja so smoke honored break. your voice is there, Daniel. I know it took me a while, and I look forward to writing more content for you and for us to continue um, the relationship that we have in this capacity. It's been it's been really magical, and the energy has been genuine and electric. Um, and I'm just trying yes. to think of a of a way to conclude this this honestly uh, really special interview. Um, I appreciate you and what you bring to our community, and what you bring to people's hearts because when we are able to um, give off the energy like you do, it really does inspire and it really is, is heartwarming. So I, I um, just am grateful for the time that we've had together. And um, if anybody in the audience wants to get a hold of you, how may they get a hold of you? Yeah, you can go to skunkmagazine.com. You can also find me at Julie Chiarello on Facebook and Instagram. Feel free to reach out, I'm very approachable. I mean, what I believe, and just to finish, to honor what you're saying, is I do believe this is a global movement. This is a movement of consciousness in commerce. This is up to each of us. We are the ones we've been waiting for. And so unite, it's about solidarity. It's about building a bigger table. It's about inclusivity, not exclusivity. It's about working like cannabis as a plant does. She's a weed, she spreads her weeds deep and far. And that's what we're meant to do right now. And so reach out, connect, share your stories. If you're devoted to change, if you're a steward, if you're a change maker in any way, reach out and let's connect. Let's do this. <laughs> Julie, it's been a special moment with you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Cheers.